customer success is a department and it's also an ethos. We need to make sure that it's not solely our responsibility to drive the changes within their organization. We need the support of the rest of the organization. You know, that inverted pyramid that helps to support and ultimately deliver on that customer experience. Gainsight presents the Game Changer Podcast with host Adam Joseph. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the start of a whole new series of Gainsight Game Changer podcasts. I'm Adam Joseph, your host and the Senior Director of Customer Success at Gainsight. Firstly, as this is the start of Series 2, I just wanted to say a huge thanks to everyone that contributed or listened to Series 1. We had some phenomenal guests talking about subjects that were really thought-provoking, especially those on the impact that customer success can have on your mental health, as well as returning to the job after a prolonged period out for paternity or maternity leave. I also wanted to thank everyone that got in touch with me to say how much they enjoyed the first series. And if you're new to this podcast, all of the episodes from series one are available right now on Spotify, Apple and Google. So we've got some awesome podcasts lined up for you in this series. And I'm delighted to say that we're starting on a topic that I think will resonate with almost anyone in customer success. Many of us listening to this will be familiar with the 10 laws of customer success that were in the original Blue Book, authored by my friends Dan Steinman, Nick Mehta and Lincoln Murphy. The most important rule in my and many people's estimation is that customer success has to be a top-down company-wide commitment. And that's got to be an ethos that permeates across the entire business. It can't just be the name of an individual or a department. So for this customer success law to become a reality, however, it's critical that the whole business, both front and back, is centered around the customer. But clearly, this is easier said than done. So how do you make the promise of customer centricity a reality? Well, I'm delighted to say that joining me today to discuss this really important topic is Michelle McCarthy, who is the global head of customer success at Unit 4. Michelle, a very warm welcome to you. Michelle, thank you so much for being on this episode. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. So to kick things off, Michelle, for those people that haven't either heard of Unit 4 or you haven't met before, could you just give us an introduction to both you, your role and the company? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Adam. So, you know, my role at Unit 4 is equal parts transformation of Unit 4's customer experience strategy and really ensuring that our customers are realizing value and adopting our offerings to deliver on their goals and objectives at the end of the day. I chose Unit 4 because of the work that we're doing to really elevate the people experience. And to me, the company culture really stood out in terms of putting people first and really seeing that translate directly to our customers got me excited about the value I thought I could add. Our sweet spot at Unit 4 is delivering on this promise through enterprise resource planning human capital management, and financial planning applications. These ultimately improve employee and customer experiences. Our goal is to increase overall productivity and foster innovation that allow organizations to spend more time really helping their customers. Fantastic. So how long have you been at Unit 4, Michelle? I've been here for just about eight months. Fantastic. And look, we're lucky enough to work closely together anyway as uh, Unit 4 Gainsight customers. And you've got an, a phenomenal team there who we who we love working with. But 
just to get to know the person behind the role a little bit more. One of the things that I've got to do during kind of lockdown and thankfully we're just leaving that now is I, I listen to loads of music and I'm always keen to see what what kind of track or album really resonates with people my one which is some people might think pretty sad the song that I could play over and over again is Desperado by the Eagles which immediately yeah. ages me <laughs> I love that track I don't know what it is I just I love it but what about you what, what song do you know ne- never get bored of, of listening to yeah well Eagles is a good choice I'd probably have to pick something like Queen's Bohemian Rhapsody because there's just so much variance in that song, right? You've got the ballad, the guitar solo, the operatics. So that's a really, really great one if you had to listen to it over and over again. And you could because it's very long. I also would share with you kind of my pump up song, which right now I've been riding a lot of Peloton during the quarantine period, trying to keep up with the cookies I've been eating <laughs> and uh, levitate by Dua Lipa is, is a great, a great song. It's, it's always on. It, it never fails to keep me motivated. I've got to say, just going back to Bohemian Rhapsody, not only is it a great track, but the video, you know, it was groundbreaking at the time and still you can watch it now. And it's just incredible. Absolutely. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. Thank you for that. Now, look, as I mentioned at the beginning there, the, the focus of today's podcast is all around customer centricity. And, you know, you'll see and hear many organizations saying how customer centric they are, that the customer is at the heart of everything that they do. But in my experience, there can companies talk the talk, but they don't necessarily walk the walk. And so I'd love to start the discussion by asking, when we talk about customer centricity, what what actually do we mean? Is it enough to say the customer's at the heart of everything? Because to me, that's a bit of a glib, very high level kind of statement. So what does customer centricity mean to you? Yeah, Adam, simply put, customer centricity is really emphasizing the importance of putting the customer first and creating a positive experience end-to-end for that customer. When companies make decisions, big or small, they really need to think about how those moves impact the customer at the end of the day. To be customer-centric, each function understands the role that they play and how big or small decisions that they make within their functional areas can really impact that of the customer. You know, I think during this quarantine period, we've all been going through this accelerated digitalization has taken place and it's created this always on mentality. I don't know if you you feel that, but I think our customer expectations evolved. Businesses are working hard to find ways to ensure that the value that they're delivering is known and that those expectations are being met. Yeah, that's really great. And it really helps us understand what being a a customer-centric business is. And I certainly loved your comment around putting the customer first and creating that positive end-to-end experience. I also really agree that the pandemic has certainly increased the rate of digital transformation and having that always-on mentality. But I'm keen to explore some of the traits that companies might be seeing if they're still working towards being a truly customer-centric business. Could that manifest itself in high customer churn, poor product adoption, low NPS, or even be the result on having key segments of the business, such as sales, product, marketing, customer success, being heavily siloed with little or no regular interaction between the teams? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think some signs are that there's no customer-focused strategy, right? In other words, you aren't focused on people-first culture, your employees you aren't making sure that your employees are well taken care of and you aren't driving then a better engagement with your customers as a result of that. You aren't creating quality service experience and garnering feedback from customers that could impact the sentiment longer term, right? So so trade-off for short-term games at long-term expense. If there's a gap between what you're selling 
and what your customers are seeking. So you may not be addressing the market fit needs like you talked about and enhancing your product at a rate that your customer and industry need. And this is really just guessing at what customers want versus doing the real research and listening actively. And that can be a recipe, like I said, for for short-term gains at the expense of long-term retention. Yeah, so I think you've described really well there some of the the signals that maybe there's more work to do to be a truly customer-centric business. And I think luckily both you and I work at companies that have done a lot of work in this regard to really put the customer at the heart of everything that they do. But if someone's listening to this and and kind of figure out that, yeah, we we maybe have high churn, low NPS, high consumption gaps, there are big silos between some of the the key customer-facing or even back-end types of functions, what can we do? about it? I mean, does there need to be a specialized role? I'm not sure what that's called to come in and really have that almost without portfolio, look across all of these business units, create customer journeys, bring different people within different parts of the business together. I've seen organizations now increasingly have this chief customer officer role that Mm -hmm. can kind of bring everyone to the table and really think about the customer in a slightly different way. But What advice might you have to what people should do to help increase the levels of customer centricity within their businesses? Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things that we got started right away focusing on was mapping the customer journey end to end and ensuring that we had a clear understanding of the roles that different departments play and how those translate to the customer, right? Because the worst thing that you can have happen is that a customer is engaging with an organization and they aren't quite sure, you know, who all the different players are and how to eventually, you know, deliver on the goals and objectives that they have mapped out. We've also doubled down on our customer community. So ensuring that that really resonates with the different customer industries based on their unique business challenges. This emergence of communities really allows them an environment to engage with their peers, sounding board, any new ideas, and ultimately have a knowledge base all in one place. It's also allowed us a way to really scale our customer success practice and operations in a variety of ways, Adam, because through best practice blogs and we're able to drive, you know, more learning, more knowledge base and more efficiency and self-service for our customers. And I can imagine that things like the community and surveying and even executive outreach, you must get a lot of inputs at Unit 4 that tells you about how satisfied your customers are. One of the challenges that I have, and I'd love to get your view on this, is if you have lots of different inputs from lots of different sources and customers in different segments, sometimes they could tell you almost contradictory things. Right? Someone says they want to have you know less human involvement and more kind of just give me, you know, just give me the resources and let me get on and do what I want. Others might tell you the direct opposite of that. How do you coalesce all of these different inputs and to kind of bring something forward when sometimes the input you're getting might might be contradictory rather than complementary? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, you know, we do do a lot of surveying at Unit 4 from both a CSAT perspective as well as our net promoter score is one of the types of customer satisfaction surveys we use. And then, you know, we bring all of that feedback back into the organization through our voice of customer council. And that brings our key stakeholders across different functional areas of the leadership team to understand what areas do we really need to amplify and exploit? And what are the areas that we need to work a bit harder to improve? And so we do look to focus on a few areas of the business in bite-sized chunks to address the areas that we know will have the most impact across the full customer experience. You know, it's, it's easy to boil the ocean, but really we're realistic in our approach. Like all businesses, you know, we want to do everything we can to drive the best possible experience for our customers, but we also have to be practical and prioritize those things that are going to have the highest payoff at the end of the day with 
with what the customers can achieve within our resources. And how do you see whether they are making that impact or not? I mean, clearly NPS could be product adoption, but do you have a sense, do you keep like a dashboard or do you keep track of some of these key performance indicators that tell you whether your your customer success strategy is effective or not? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I know you mentioned at the beginning that we're, we're partners through Gainsight and we've really leveraged Gainsight this year in, in many ways, a building and evolving year for us within the expansion of the customer success practice at Unifor. We really use Gainsight to ensure that we have the right mechanisms in place to address the feedback that we have coming in from our customers. So MPS is, is one programmatic approach, right, to close the loop. But also we look at the actions that are being taken coming out of business reviews and other operational cadence meetings. You know, we also need to make sure that we have data at our fingertips all the time to help us work with our customers in a more dynamic approach and also feed that information back to the rest of the organization, right? Because as we talked about, customer success is, is a department and it's also an ethos. We need to make sure that it's not solely our responsibility to drive the changes within their organization. We need the support of the rest of the organization, you know, that inverted pyramid that helps to support and ultimately deliver on that customer experience. Yeah, absolutely. And it's often said that customer success is it's like an orchestra made up of different departments all around the business harmonizing to the same tune at the same tempo. However, that's easier said than done when you've got so many teams that are measured in different ways. For example, sales have to hit their number, product have their roadmap to deliver, marketing have campaigns and have to deliver on their pipeline. So how is it possible to bring all of these teams together around customer centricity rather than just be solely focused on their individual departmental goals? Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I think the journey mapping exercise for sure is a great springboard for a lot of those conversations. I think customer success has a huge obligation to the rest of the company. And by the same token, we need the support of the entire organization to achieve what customers need. In order to work as a unified team altogether, we've outlined our RACI across each part of the life cycle. And this helps with those owners' actions and delivery dates and holding people accountable, right? More than that, we've created a sense of empowerment for everyone within the company to take the guidance. If they see something, they need to say something and they need to do something. Customer success's role is to amplify the voice of the customer throughout the organization, and we need to hold each other accountable to deliver on that. So where we need help to prioritize what we're hearing from customers within the various functional teams, we also need to challenge the areas that we choose to work on and ensure that they're going to cast the widest net to deliver the value. I think that you know, as you mentioned, there's a challenge where sometimes different teams are incentivized in different ways. I think at the end of the day, what we've done around customer centricity, you know, we've gone around the rest of the organization, we've run various workshops, we've asked like, what does that look like to you? You know, how can you deliver on that in your role? What are the barriers to you being able to deliver on that today? And we're really working kind of through the entire company to make sure that everybody, when they hear customer centricity, understands that Again, customer success is in a department, it's an ethos, and everybody has a role to play. And that people aren't held back by maybe some of the, the former constraints of, of what they've maybe perceived their role to be or what they can do, that they're more empowered to make the right decision, you know, in a, in a smart way for the customer at their right time. I mean, one of the things that you said that I really loved, Michelle, was, you know, customer success are there to amplify the voice of the customer. I mentioned earlier about the rise of the chief customer officer role, which mm -hmm. can be really critical in helping make sure not only that voice is amplified, but heard and have a seat at the table to help influence decisions in product, in sales, in marketing and so on. 
How important do you see that role of, of CCO, Chief Customer Officer? And if you're a CSM listening to this and maybe you report into a customer success reports into operations, into marketing or into sales, any ideas or advice for what they might be able to do to influence change if that CCO role or senior customer success leader role doesn't exist? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think the chief customer officer role is a critical one. And I think we've seen that evolve over the last few years. I think even looking back a decade, customer success as a practice was found in different pieces and parts throughout the organization with individuals wearing multiple hats and maybe delivering on some form of that experience. I think it's becoming even more critical as the customer experience ecosystem evolves. It provides this centralized approach to managing the customer experience. You know, there is an employee motivation piece, there's a customer feedback piece, and there's a follow-through piece. And that that allows all the different data points to be centralized under one area of the company. It fosters a company-wide culture, and it brings the customers into the fold on making decisions that can help enact change throughout the organization. So I think for organizations that are looking for somebody that can have all of that under one remit, I think that it's definitely a role that is here to stay and I think just continue to evolve and, and grow in the future. Well, I, I think that's a, a great way of actually in, ending today's pod, you know, in that, that note of positivity and seeing, and I continue to see how customer success is evolving, not only as a CSM role, but actually how it's manifesting itself now into a true career path. And hopefully people here listening who are a CSM today will be the CCOs of the future. Michelle, thank you so much. I'm so pleased to start the second season on such an important topic all around customer centricity. I'm sure there'll be some great takeaways from people listening in today. And thank you so much for being part of this. Thank you so much for having me, Adam. Appreciate it. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gainsight Game Changer podcast. Please follow, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. For more information about all of our episodes, please visit Gainsight.com. This podcast is produced and edited by StudioPod. To learn more about their work, go to studiopodsf.com.